Hello and welcome to this episode of the PE Podcast. My name is Jack Jacob and I am your host. In this episode, I have an enlightening conversation with Adrian Ball, who's the Chief Executive of the Diocese of Ely Multi Academy Trust. Adrian and I talk about how much he enjoyed growing up in Norfolk and how he's maintained a strong connection to the area, quoting, Norfolk's got me. Although Adrian had early ambitions to work in the stock market, but lost out on a place in the London School of Economics, meant he had to rethink what he wanted to do with his life, and this ultimately drove him to attend Brunel University to study sports science and playing in their university rugby team. Through his involvement in sport and outreach from club and university teams coaching in local schools, Adrian discovered a passion for education that set him on a path to where he is now. This strong background in sport has also instilled with him an unrivaled sense of camaraderie and the importance of not letting those around you down. As a leader, Adrian understands the importance of setting direction and vision, but also the value of recognising gaps in your own skill set and building a team around you that complements you. Please do enjoy this episode as we get to know the person behind the job title. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate um, your time. So as you know, it's uh, all about getting to know the person behind the job title. Um, and so, uh, so let's start um, at the start for you. So talk to me about your background. Where'd you grow up? Okay, so I've, uh, most of my upbringing has been in Norfolk. Um, my parents moved us here when I think when I was, I was nine, nine maybe. Prior to that, I had a little bit of, a little bit of time in Grimsby and a little bit of time in Billericay in Essex. Yeah. I really in Norfolk most of my life. The mum and dad moved moved around when they were younger with dad's my dad's work. So he he was the first first person in his family not to go down the pits. Um, and mum was the first person in her family not to go and work in the Royal Dalton factory. Oh, there we go. And so they both they both left Stoke on Trent fairly early on. In, uh, in their lives with, uh, with the jobs. Followed dad around um, for a bit and then we, we settled in Norfolk when he started working, working in London. Yeah, so, so what did he do then? He was in insurance. Right. So no, he worked, worked most of his life for Norwich Union and then branched out over the last few, you know, just before retirement. Yeah. So uh, he is fairly straightforward. They did the best best for us and by yeah moving to norfolk was it was fantastic it's lovely lovely place to live that's why we've we've set up here with with ours um yeah not too far not too far away my brother and sister have moved off but i've uh norfolk norfolk's norfolk's got me yeah well, there we go there we go um, so, so now i wanted did do my do my little rural rural high school in in norfolk I think we had about 400, 450 people on roll. So very, very, very small. Yeah. Did all right there, moved into Norwich, do my A-levels, and, uh, and then, then off to university. So yeah. it was a, I never really knew what, what I was going to do. And that was the... I was going to ask, what it, was there anything you particularly wanted to do when you was growing up, or was it, you know, so you was, fell into? Yeah, when I was in year, oh, year 10, year 10, year 10, Something like that. In year nine, year ten, yeah. it was when um, Nick Leeson brought down Bearings Bank, and that brought uh, like stock market trading up. So I thought, oh, well, I, fan- I fancy it. I f- not that it's necessarily doing Nick Leeson, but I certainly fancy stock stock market trading. Yeah. Um, so I was all set to um, to, to go to yeah, the place at LSE um, for economics, and didn't. Didn't do as well as I thought my levels. I didn't do the right ones, and um, I had to have a, have a have a rethink. And and that's when I got an, an offer for a, a place at Brunel to uh, read sports science and play rugby. So I uh, I took the I took I took the reduced the reduced offer on the condition I played for played for the rugby team and uh, <laughs> never, never looked back. Is 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 by chance I. I saw I saw it come up, sent my rugby CV in, and um, they they offered a they offered a place in the sports science course. Nice. Uh, so so what you 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 um, play play at decent level, sport I, I, Not anymore. Yeah. Too, too too old too slow. <laughs> <laughs> but no, did did all right when I was in my years. All the sort of 
county, regional, divisional stuff. Yeah. Um, and got to the university. We you know, played, played for them. Um, we won the British Championships in two. God, when was it? Two thousand two. Things like that. So it's, it's, rugby has been that drive. Personally, in the early part of my life, everything kind of centred, centred around that. And it's sort of through that that I almost fell into fell into teaching. Um, part of the work, the outreach work we did as a team, and um, both university and the club team was coaching in local schools. Yeah. Part of that coaching, that I thought, well, I quite enjoy this. I like this. This is this. Get, get, get to keep doing sporty stuff. Um, yeah, it. yeah, this work, this works. I, I'm enjoying this. So I, I applied for a teacher training PGC um, at the UEA in Norwich, and and got on and became a PE teacher. Yeah, I was going to say because I saw that you was um, head of PE at one point. Um, so there we go there we go so um t- talk to you about um dovetail back into sport a sec you know talk to me about how you felt particularly rugby but sport in general played a part in kind of leadership qualities that you have within you i think i'm not sure so much for me it's the from the leadership qualities but it's more of that camaraderie and working working together that that the fact when you win that that team that team situation and it's yeah it's just been instilled instilled into me that throughout when you're in in that work position about not letting not letting those around you down i think that's the that's the bit that really gets me is when people can back out of you know can back out or not try as hard as perhaps they Perhaps they ought to. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, that's something that's always driven me in not going to see the let anyone else down, or and to do the best best I can. Is that attraction attraction to completing the the team's the team's goal, the team's focus, and it's that it's that attitude that I took in, I've taken into me, into work, into teaching. You're doing the best for the kids in your care, whether it's in that individual class, whether it's when you're a head teacher for your whole, or, you know, head of department for the the whole year group or whether you're a head teacher for the for the yeah, the children and, and staff within your whole school. So yeah. that's the part of it. And then the other part that sports taught me is that um to my downfall at times, but that, that competitive edge. It's I don't don't like I don't like to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And no, I feel, feel feel you with that one definitely. Definitely. So I, I play rugby going up. So I I went from playing football to about the age of 10 and then it would then sort of to rugby for the age of from the age of about 10 to about the age of 16 until basically everyone got bigger and I didn't um um and then I thought I'm, I'm gonna die here you know everyone was like you know playing rugby you either lose the scrawny kids you know and I and I stayed on basically and I was still scrawny and, and it's basically the people that had like quicker you know gone through puberty quicker basically and we're a bit butcher and a bit and i just thought yeah so at the age of like 16 17 i thought yeah well i think everyone's quite a bit bigger than me now and um and uh and then my height came in after that and uh and uh yeah well so so did the weight but that's probably to do with beer and uh and takeaways more than uh more than uh, yeah there's all right monsters in my time and uh and that's when I realised that's when I realised it was time to retire from playing, playing regularly. Is when I was having to be reliant, cunning, um, to get myself around the pitch, <laughs> uh, rather than the strength and speed, which was gradually disappearing as I I seem to be getting older and everyone else seems to be getting younger. Yeah. I was thinking, so I it's time to step away gracefully. Yeah. And, yeah. And find something new. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, but yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a car- direct correlation between kind of sport activity and and, and business, definitely, um, and 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 you know, particularly kind of leadership um, on the field, and whether that's you know being a, a captain or whatever, or just having, you know, those those leadership qualities within you. Um, so, talk to me about. Um, so, so you went to university, done your um, your sports um, science degree, then you went and then your um, PGCE. Um, and and then went in, down down the PE route. Um, so um, so I, I mean, that's obviously the PE the PE teacher joke there, isn't there? To, to to say how many times you heard that? 
Oh, a fair, fair few. I mean, <laughs> but it keeps, it keeps recurring. It, it pops up even now. Yeah. Uh, when it, when it comes, comes around to it, it's, it, that was one of the, the things early, early on in the career where it was the, you know, the PE, the, you know, the PE teachers, PE lads. Um, you know, our first office was a store cupboard at the back of the sports hall. Um, that's where the, the school, school leadership stuck us. It's like you boys just sit with the, so sat there, the bags of balls, the bibs, all, all, all of that. And that was, that was, that was what they, they thought. So gradually as you move in, as I started to move up through the school, there's always that little bit of prejudice is a bit too strong a word, but people always look down their noses a little at the, at the P teachers. Yeah. Uh, um, from that sense, I had to work hard early, early on in my career to sort of prove that I knew what I was, knew what I was talking about and that I had that ability in, uh, to get, get the jobs done that was, that was required. Yeah, of course. So I was, I was going to ask about that and, <clears throat> you know, installing you know, credibility as, as a senior leader. Um, you know, actually I had a similar conversation with, um, with Stephen Chamberlain, um, um, who you know for, that spoke at our events and I recorded a podcast with. And, you know, he had a, had a um, kind of a performing arts background. And I had the same question to him, really. You know, was it hard for you to instill credibility that in a, um, when your background wasn't in a, you know, a, a real academics background you know wasn't wasn't maths english or science right um and and could have been seen as fluffy or um yeah so it was um, you, get, you get you get that and then you know you have sometimes oh you, 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 you it's easy to get to where you got to because yeah you never had to do any marking and those kind of the backhanded stuff you know that may you know may have been the case may not i prefer to think of it that i was i was good at what i do and if i didn't deserve to get to where i was or do what I was doing, I'd have been moved down fairly, fairly sharply. So yeah. although I get into position, but it's then performing and, and having the, the impacts um, uh, that you're, you're asked to do. So I think that's, that comes back down to that competitive edge. I don't really, if, if my boss and the, my head at the time was, was brilliant at encouraging me to go for, go for these positions, because I stayed in that one school for a long period of, long period of time um is is him who brought me into, into the school in the first place and gradually moved up to to, to, to the head of sick form head yep. of sick form and he had that that understanding and the the faith in me that i could be able to do it so it's, it's worth you know paying him back as well he had that faith in me so i was going to perform and and do my very best yeah Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so is that is that a leader that you would say you always remember? Someone that, that kind of that not that first person that saw something in you, but but certainly someone that that really elevated you to the next level in your career. Yeah, he gave me that that initial he gave me that initial step up into senior leaders as a as a school leader. You know, we weren't we weren't in the best situation as a, as a school. So there are things that I learned what not to do. Um, so yeah, so the, the, that faith in other people and people in your team finding that talent is something that I have learned from him. Other things I learned what what not to do, and then that school academized. I've got a new new head teacher, and she was um, a bit of a force of nature, and she's what who really helped me develop as a senior leader. Yeah, uh, and made me realise what is possible with strong leadership in schools and um, what you what you can achieve. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, so talk to me about then your your journey. So, from you know head of head of sick form um, to now you know um, CEO of of a very very large multi academy trust um, in terms of the, the number of schools. Um, was it thirty nine schools you've you've got? 39. Yeah, yeah. thirty nine schools. So, um, talk to me about that journey because you you were, you were coup at Inspiration Trust for for a number of years, yeah, well, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, so. From the head of sick form role, that was we, I was in at Cossie High School, and that school academised in 2009, 2010. Okay, so um, quite early on in the academy's agenda, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fairly, fairly early on. And when it academised, I was moved into the vice principal role. Then, and so at the time, school was obviously ungraded, and we took it, we got it to outstanding within that three 
within that three years um, across all measures. So that was a that was where they, that the whirlwinds really started to happen. And you're thinking actually we can move at a lot faster pace and have this much more great, great belief in what children, what, what they can achieve with that, with really high quality teaching and people who, people who believe in them supported within a school, which has got the structures and systems in place mm. to sort of move in those barriers and, uh, and just help, help teach, help teachers to, to do that. Yeah. How do you put, how do you put in those, you know, so you've gone from an uh, Ofsted ungraded. Why was it Ofsted ungraded? Because of the academization, it was, it was in special measures. It lost, it then ungraded. Right. So it started again as a new school. But right. All intents and purposes, it's a, it's a failing school. Okay, fine. So, so how do you, how, you know, from I think back to when I was at school, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, the, the thing that perhaps let the school that I went to down, and, and I don't think it was, it wasn't a high performing school by any nature and you know, quite an old building, that kind of thing. Um, but was, was the people's behavior, you know, we, we, you know, even myself, you know, I wasn't, wasn't the best behaved student by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you used to actually quite enjoy being naughty to be fair as well. So how, how do you turn a school around where, you know, it's the, it's the, it was, it was a behavioral issues or was it, was it, you know, the quality of teaching that was letting it down? What, what was the, what was the challenges and how do you then turn that around? At that, that school, it was, it, it was all sorts, but behave, behavior was poor. Um, and it had always become, there was an accepted norm of what behavior, uh, you, you, you're, what, you're, what, 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 what people expected was good behavior compared to elsewhere. It was absolutely shocking because you saw it every day people became almost numb to it yeah, uh, yeah. and, and, and accept, accepting of lots of low level disruption and, and poor language, not wearing the uniform, all that kind of, that kind of bits. And um, Just like that's the grassroots then, you know, uniform being spot on. Um, yeah, yes, in, in that one, we, we just changed brand new, straight in brand new uniform, um, a brand new uniform, brand new name of the school, new rules, we trained and spent time with all the staff, training the staff about what what they were to expect, what they what they shouldn't ex- expect, how they would deal with it, putting in the appropriate systems and structures, and all, all of all of that. So it was really in that place a real root and branch um, approach to creating a brand new school, literally yeah. over, over the summer, so that it opens it open fresh. Yeah, um, but that's that's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advocate doing that in in every every takeover and every change because yeah. I think in some of the early academy days that was the approach. You, you, you academize this new name, new uniform, new rules straight in. I think now be a little bit more. You know, when, if if we're asked to bring more schools in to the trust now, I think it's we've got to assess what what, what the school is, what it needs. Yeah, you know, if it is a if it would benefit from a, a total total change, yeah, if it's in if it is in trouble and it would benefit from that change of identity and then then perhaps you would go down that route. Yeah. Um, but if if not, it's it's, it's additional costs to parents and all that kind of thing. You think, no, yeah, of course, course, course. I haven't to think and look further down the line. But I think if, if there is a if there is a fundamental issue within the school, you've you've got to change it. And I think that's for too for too long it's that kind of it's the way we've always done things it's the way yeah, we've always done things. um and actually no we can do things we can do things better we can do things differently um and i think as i've as i've seen it through both as a deputy i did a similar similar thing in my when i was a head and executive head, executive head similar contextual situations um you know this my first the school i was the, the substantive head off was again was that was in special measures deep in it and and again required a lot of heavy lifting to to get it to a position where you'd be happy to send your own kids to that school who do you get more pushback from the, the the students or the staff in that scenario um parents <laughs> oh and, and of course parents. but but i mean so so i remember when you know, towards I think year 10 and 11 in my school they brought in a new head um, they then brought in basically two two enforcers with her as well um, you know the, the, the school was you know 
bad behavior. I don't think he was doing well in terms of performance levels either, um, grades, etc. Um, but I remember teachers bitching about the head teacher and the new enforcers that had came in, come in to our students. So, so it, it, it was a case where then, you know, there was a whole, um, there's a whole pushback from the whole school on the, uh, you know, from, from students and the teachers. So that's why I asked the question. Yeah, and no, I think it's about setting, I think that comes down to communication, setting, setting the scene. Yeah, if, you, if I'd have gone in to my first, my first headship and just, just, boom, this is it. There's, there's a new rule book. There's this, there's that, go do. Um, I'd have probably had similar, similar pushbacks. So a lot of it is having that, being able to articulate and, 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 and sell and show, show the vision, what you expect, what we'll achieve over the next, next few years. Yeah. Um, start selling, selling the story, having that narrative by which you, you, you stick to. That's the, the whole point of that. Your leadership, your leadership role is knowing where you want to get, when knowing where you want to get to and setting, setting the scene and enabling those around you to uh, to buy into it, so that you you're all pushing and rowing, going the same direction to get yep. to get to that end goal. So for me, it was about really when I first walked into the school, it was setting setting out exactly how, what we wanted to do, where we're going to get to, why we needed to do it, um, and and bring the staff along. Yeah, there was there was pushback. I had a few grump, grumpy ones, um, but I was I was I I, I played. I can't even remember what it is now. There's a TEDx talk, a TEDx TED talk. Yeah. Um, there's a guy there. There's a guy dancing on his own on the hill. Um, some music festival. There's a chap dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then a few people join, and then a few people join. They're all, they're all dancing, having a great time. Yeah. And I played that very, about a year in to be set. I played it very early in, and and sort of said, you know, that was, <laughs> that was me. First guy runs in, named a member of staff who is very supportive early doors, yeah. and and just sort of used that as a our analogy to show how we were moving as the school moved on and where you know the hence seen since that video was set up. But I don't care. I thought it was a great, <laughs> I thought it was a great, great example of what yeah. what it meant when you try to create that create that movement in the first instance and and, and change. It is like yeah, you change the direction of an oil tanker. It's a big. It's a big, big school entrenched in its ways, and we're having to change not just staff and people behaviour and the way they acted, but the whole the whole culture that existed as well. I had I've had a parent tell me that why would I why was I making enforcing people on wearing ties because the only person she's ever seen wear a tie was trying to sell them something at the door, and it's just it's having those conversations, just trying to explain it. It goes beyond. It's beyond just the fact what they're wearing. It's the whole we develop that whole that whole culture, preparing students for, for for their futures and having those higher higher aspirations. That's not to say you know, I'm not wearing one at the moment, but not to say you know, that's something I'm moving away from. You have to have a tie to have a job. It's just having that pride and respect in your appearance. Yeah, and, and that stems from you, know, regardless of what you wear. You can, when you're getting into employment, you want to. You want to look your best. You want to look professional, and so mm. what that is, you, you're going to have to adhere to what the the cultural norms are within that organisation. Yeah, of course, makes sense. Makes sense. Talking about leadership, um, what, what what does good leadership mean to you? Then, I think good leadership. One, as I've already said, you set that set that direction, set that yep. vision, what you want want to achieve. Yep. But the other one is letting go. It is, is yeah, I've, you can be. You've got you've got to let people do it, do it, do it around you. Um, I my 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 CFO is uh, my CEO, CEO and CFO. Um, she's absolutely fantastic in in, in what she does. Um, better than better than me, better than me at it. So you know, great great person to have, and she's not afraid to call me out if if I'm if I've made. Yeah, if I say something or we, we, we start going down one path, she's not afraid not afraid to tell me tell me it's, it's not it's not the right right course of action. 
yeah. And same with my director of education. I've got a brilliant director of education works for me. And, and, and again, I, second to none in that, in, in her position, her, what she understands and what she can do is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I've got to, I, I can't micromanage those pair to do exactly what I've got, you know, an idea I've got in my, my head because they're going to be much better the way we work together as a team to let them, let them have that ability to shape and make their own, their own decisions. And there's a lot of, lot of coaching, a lot of questioning that goes on, goes on around it to try and shape and for me to understand their thinking and then just trying to make sure that they've thought through all of the thinking, yeah. consequences. Yeah. But having that leadership then is about left finding, finding that, that, those people and letting them, letting them go. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. So going back to your, your kind of journey, so talk to me about the difference between you working in a school to then, and leadership in a school, to then leadership within a, within a multi-academy trust. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big, big step up. And I had a, I had a practice when I was a chief operating officer at, at Inspiration. And Bit of practice. <laughs> Yeah, on that one, because in that COO role, I was having to, there's a lot more um, need, when you're a head teacher, you've got direct line management over the entire school. Mm. Also, it's just a very hierarchical um, position. Yeah, you've got the head, deputy head, head of years, head of houses. Yeah, and it, all just, it all just filters down. So you've got that you have got that ability to know exactly what's going on all the time, exactly what's going on. Whilst you, you can empower and allow your deputies, heads and all your functional leads to make their own decisions, it's still within your framework very, very tightly. In the COO role, I didn't line manage any of the heads. Um, they're all still worked to the CEO, but I still need to make sure that we had common principles, activities, and, uh, and functions across, across the trust. So I had to work, that was a big difference for me to use that leadership in terms of being able to influence and direct um, staff without hierarchical, I guess, um, yeah, being able to, be able to just direct people. Yeah, that you was, you was in a senior position and it was trying to influence those people, though they, because I can imagine the pushback already, you know, well, you know, I report into the CEO, not you, so I'm not, I'm not listening. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we never got to that, that level, but it was, there are, sorry, I'm just... That's all right, let's see, I love this, this is, this is why it's, this is good, this working from home stuff is because it shows the, the real world, right, the real world, and that is, uh, you're at home with your family, and so don't feel bad at all, it's... it's uh, she pops in, she pops in on most, most calls if she's about, she tries to get in, in our, in our she life. wants to be on the camera, really, don't she? So, <laughs> so yeah, but back to that, it's, it's just, it's, that's the biggest difference. You, you're, not, you're not necessarily directly line managing. And even though in my, this role, I'm, I, I, the heads do reports, reports in to me for their, like, their performance management. I've got 39 schools. I can't, for the best will in the world, know exactly what's going on in, in, in all of them at any one time. So it's about having that the big difference is about having that trust, trust in your trust in your team, and trust in the the systems and structures you've got in place to ensure that the right information is coming is coming up, and equally that the, any messages coming from myself, member of the central team, are getting through all the way through the organisation. Someone said to me once, think about if you if you gave a message as CEO, how long would it take for that message? to reach the very furthest corner of the organization from you and would it still have remained the same message or would it have been diluted and changed yeah and that's something we have always, always thought about and when you are you know when we are set in if there is something that's centrally governed by the trust is, is how we can get that the clarity and show that clarity of communication throughout the the whole organization um is again just going to say just the heads. I've got to trust that a message goes through, but how are we going to? How do we know? How do you know? And likewise, if it comes through to me, is it being diluted at any point? Um, and that's the, the biggest. It's a big, big challenge. And I think that's where schools can learn from 
I think maths can learn from uh, the commercial sector because this is this is fairly new to, still relatively new to us. You know, we're 12, 13 years maths in the making now. Um, some are a lot, you know, a lot newer. We were set up in 212 D mat was. So, you know, we're, we're eight years old. We haven't got to that point where, I mean, you know, your apples, your Googles, your big, big corporates have this flow of information down to T in their management systems and all the rest of, all the rest of that. I think that's where we can learn a little bit more is how much you can trust and allow and what, where do you need those controls to, um, yeah. yeah makes sense so so um to me looking at your your background it seems like it sounds like a big jump from coup to then ceo but not just of you know, an organization but an organization of 39 schools what was that like as a jump for you it was, it was, it was huge and i think the the challenge the challenge we've got it's 39 schools I mean, we don't have the biggest, biggest schools. Yeah. Uh, we, with us being a, um, a Darcy and Matt, we, we support the vast majority of 38 to 39, our church schools and church schools tend to be a lot more, tend to be rural and, and very, 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 very small. So in terms of pupil numbers, um, we're not, we're not one of the biggest trusts um, at all. Um, you know, with eight, just over around 8,000 pupils, we're not massive, but with 39 schools, we're, we are one of the biggest, biggest trusts in the country. Yeah, in terms of school numbers. Is that, yeah. is that hard for you to kind of manage um, the fact that you've got probably what, you know, four big secondary school numbers, four, five big secondary school numbers, but spread out over 30, 39 schools? I suppose that, that probably makes it more difficult to manage because you've got then 39 different cultures, yeah, leadership teams. Schools will have the same, you know, there are different problems clearly, but a, a school of, a school of, as one of mine is, a school, a school of 28 will still have the same organisational need as a, a school of 450. There'll be different operational stuff that the heads have to deal with in terms of, in terms of scale, but for the support required from the central, the central team, there's still a head in each, in each one. There's still, in terms of especially that back office side of it, there's still an impact for my director education. There's still teachers that need training and supporting. And you, know, you do that in five, five big secondaries, the same numbers of pupils. You need a much smaller team, but you have same similar amount of probably more funding because it's secondary funded. Yeah. So it's 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 we've got to so we've we could sit and we could sit and whinge about it, but we don't. It's it's one of those it's, it's what we've what we've what we've got and what we've what we believe in. So we're having to look at ways in which we can support smaller schools, both educationally and and financially, because on their on their own. It's really, really, really tough. And that's where the power of the mats comes in massively for, um, in, our, in our case, yeah. is that we to utilize strength capacity um, through the mats to support these, these smaller schools, you know, where, where your head is sort of doing, when they're standalone, the head is locking up, you know, opening, locking up, sorting out the drains, doing apps, you know, as well as probably teaching. Mm. It's, it's like um you know like a managing director of a company right there's a startup company where you know you you, you at the start when you when you start you are doing everything you're you know making desks and chairs you know to to working out how the printer works properly and stuff like that. so it's completely different so um, you know I, my when i was ahead i had two deputies five assistant heads where all the heads of departments and it, it was in that kind of, I was in a, uh, that kind of leadership and oversight position. Whereas some of these smaller heads, so we've got to, we uh, are doing everything. So part of our duty as a, as a mat is to make life as easy as we can for those guys. We want in our trust, we've got to make sure that we keep everyone focused close to the work and focused on what they, 
what they are there to do. So for our head teachers, it's in the name. They're, they're, they're our best, they're our lead teachers in the school. They've got to be focused on teaching and learning. They've got to be focused on ensuring that the quality of, ed, of teaching and the quality of the education from every one of their teachers, for every one of their kids, is, is as best, is, 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 yeah, is at least good and is, it will be at the standard that we have to send their own children to. Yeah. That's the, that's the marker that we, we always set down. Is, is, are you happy? Would you be happy for your own kids to go sit in any one of your classes? And if there's classes that you wouldn't want your own kids sat in, then they, why are they good enough for someone else's? Yeah. Business. With us, this, that's where we bring the power, the mat together. And we like to utilize um, the development of subject communities um, across, across the trust. Because yeah, a school of, with five teachers may not have a geography specialist or a history specialist or a language specialist, but we may have... We may have one in that part of the county. We may have one over there. So we bring those guys. Okay. Bring those guys together in the sort of um, in in our, you know, in our maths community, our English community. Then maybe you know, people then can then access like lesson stuff. plans and things like that. Yeah, all of that, and, and if they want to see people in situ, rather than having these guys out trekking across to see an individual teach, we'll we'll. If you need, if you want geography support to see how geography is taught really well to year fours, right? Go to this school. So we leave the expert in school. We leave the expert in front of their kids, and we have people visit the visit the schools to to learn from makes sense guys who are who, who, who are top of the game. Yeah, makes sense. Do you think that will change now because of COVID? In the sense that everyone's now used to doing what we're doing now, video conferencing, and I, I think so. It's definitely. Definitely shifted how we've what we've what we used to do, and all of our CPD and teacher development was always 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 a head office in Ely. Um, but we've we've now we shifted all of it all of it online. Um, some of it's sort of pre-recorded with a follow-up Q and A a little bit on later on. Some of it is live sessions, webinar type approach, and um, it's been it's been really really successful. The, 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 the amount of the take up has been great and the feedback has been really, really, yeah. really positive. So I think, I don't think you can ever uh, forgo face to face completely. Of course. There's always an important element, element of that, but mm. we've definitely looking at next year for our CPD offer, um, blending between online, online pre-work that can be done with, with pre-recorded videos, Q and A sessions online with a face to face element a little bit, a little bit later on. And that'll yeah. certainly help our, our subject communities work when they can dial in like this rather than trekking across Norfolk and Cambridge. Yeah, of course, because it means it's you know a, a day out of the office rather than two hours on on a on a on a training course. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, and especially when we, the, the one for us, these, these the joining of the subject communities is for that. Is, if you wait until the end of the day, some of us, some of us, where our schools are situated, could have an hour's drive. To get to the meeting place, and then do your two hours meeting, and then you've got an hour's trip back. It's sort of turning to seven, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. At the moment, whereas now we've finally worked out how how Zoom works, we can uh, we can get it done. Yeah, of course, of course. I bought shares in Zoom about what, six months ago. <laughs> imagine, imagine. Um. So. Talk to me about um, obviously you're in a in a Church of England school, right? And and you're religious yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, did did that have a bearing in in terms of was that important for um, for the for the for the chairman, or whoever whoever was that, that that hired you? Was that was that important that that those kind of um, religious roots were embedded in the top? Yeah, I think this it's it is it is clearly it is important and part of our our whole vision is that our education, uh, we want to be able to provide that high quality education that's always underpinned by our Christian distinctiveness. And yeah. for us, that's sort of representing our values of love, community, trust, respect, uh, and ambition. And we, we put love as that main, main value because you don't, you don't, one, you don't, you don't often see it. And people sort of, we had a big debate whether we should or shouldn't include love as a, as a value. We felt it kind of rep did really represent uh, our sort of Christian Christian values to the organisation, okay. 
um, and that helps shape our shape our decision making. And whilst that doesn't mean we've been quite clear, it doesn't mean that we we shy away from difficult decisions. For, but we, we, we do so compassionately. And yeah. We do what the consequences will be on people um, uh, uh, of the decisions that we make. But if we have, if it's got to be a difficult one, then we, we do it in the in the right way. That's that's fair fair and considerate. But it's during the interview. Back to the original question. Back to the interview process. The trustees weren't didn't set out explicitly to find a practicing Christian for the role um, because they want they wanted the best candidate for the role. What they were what they wanted to ensure was that whoever was appointed had a um, was was had an understanding of and was sympathetic to the Christian values of the of the organization yeah so, so that's what they they set out through and that's part of what we still look for in our in our recruitment process is that we you know we are openly proud of our of being a Christian organization and we're looking for people who will um, who, who, who support that support that view support that those values um, when they come to us but we don't you don't. You don't have to be. You don't, you don't have to be of any particular religious denomination to work for us. It's the fact that we you know, we are open to um, all faiths and none. And it yeah. says quite clearly we, we, that's what our schools are. There were church schools. Um, we have a just, you know quite distinctively Christian ethos in our schools, but they are open to children of of all faiths and and of no faith as well. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what What do you do to uh, on a on a personal level then? So so you, you've obviously stopped the rugby now. Um, uh, too old and slow for that. Um, um, what, oh, what, what I it... when you said that, she just started laughing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said it to be fair earlier. I was just repeating yeah, what you uh, said. Um... There you go. I, I didn't. I didn't say it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what, what do you do now? So what, what's, what, what do you do to un, 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 unwind and relax? Uh, it's a lot of just uh, keeping fit at the, the moment. So I, after, after finished rugby, I, I took up triathlon. Um, so I thought that looked, that looked Challenging. Fun. Yeah, so I took, took that up. So I did that for a, I did that for a, a few, few years. Um, did all right, got to, got to the European Championships and the World Championships. Oh, wow. Um, a few years ago, in in that, so I like that was good. That was good fun. And then, what's it like doing the triathlon when you've got a crowd of people swimming next to you? I think I'd freak out. That's my least favorite. That's my least favorite bit of the of the race. It's um, you just wherever you look, there's legs and arms, and it's a bit. It's a bit of a. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. I, I was just, gonna say. I just sort of stick my stick my head down, add to the add to the confusion, and yeah. get out as quickly as I can. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think you'd either want to be at the front, the back, or the sides. Um, and uh, I don't think I'd 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 be worrying about race position you know, when I first got in that water. I'd just be like, let me get out of this crowd because. Uh, yeah, I just try and find someone who's slightly faster than me and then stays close to their feet as I can and let them tow me around. <laughs> and, uh, Getting their slipstream. That's it, just tuck behind them. So I did, did that for a while. And then when, again, I then took up a, took up a triathlon. Um, uh, sorry, to try, took up Ironman. So I did, I did an Ironman race. Because um, I was, again, I wanted something a little bit more. A little more challenging than the sprints, than all the sprint triathlon stuff. So I thought I'd do a do an Ironman. Um, what, what's the um, talk to me about the Ironman um, distances? So what have you got to do? Uh, it's a two two or is it two and a two point four mile swim, um, one hundred twelve mile bike ride, then a marathon. <laughs> yeah. How long does it take you? Ten hours eight minutes. That's your record. Yeah. 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 That's some going, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was fairly swift. I think I, I came 20, 21st in that race. Um, wow. About 1,000 out of 1,000. So I was, yeah, fairly, I was chuffed on that one. Although, how, I, long, I, how long ago was this? That was 2016, so yeah, four, four years ago. Although was, that, I, I, was that one of the hardest things you've ever had to do? No, no. 
the hardest one was the year after, but the, the 216, 216 one, I, I finished the race, finished lips on a time and said to my wife, I, I, I'm going to enter next year. Um, but I've got eight minutes, eight, 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 eight minutes. Good, good. Yeah. Can't believe I didn't break 10 hours. And, um, and then she politely reminded me that our second child was born in the May. So that was in July. A couple of months earlier, my daughter was born and I'd kind of not participated in any parenting at that stage because I was either at school or I was up at 4am training or training when I got back from school for it for the summer. So she sort of said, do you know, do you I'd prefer it if you didn't. Should be a parent. Oh, yeah. right, you got a point. You got a point. <laughs> So I thought, what do I need to do the following? I thought, oh, I've got to do something. So I did a, um, I entered into an ultra marathon in 217. So I thought I'll do that. That was 100, 100 kilometers. Running. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I entered that. So I thought I can do that. It's, it's only one, I have to run, I have to swim, I have to cycle, I have a bit more spare time with the family. So I did, uh, I, I did that. Um, What's that, 60 miles, isn't it? Yeah, 62, 63, something like that. Yeah. So it's like nearly three marathons. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That would yes. be. I, I can't even. So, I, I, so I've just started running again. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd basically gone from like, you know, when lockdown started, everyone was doing that 5K for five pound and you've got to nominate five people, right? So you're going to laugh at me. So I'd, so I'd done the first one and I'd, and I've, honestly, I've, I've not, never run before right? i was on the first one in 36 minutes yeah and i got bullied basically in my whatsapp group chats from all my friends and um you know yeah, did you walk uh, here uh, did... i believe basically i believe 36 yeah, minutes yeah exactly so i was like right you know this this that that's embarrassing um um you know 26 you know i thought you know i've i've got to beat that time um um so so i so i then got um and actually i um the second one i quite enjoyed as i like, oh, actually i quite enjoyed this and um and uh, and a chap that i know does does this running coaching so he's like a um like a running coach he's a you know he does his 5k into like 15 minutes it's like stupid it's ridiculous um and uh and so i was in a four-week plan to then get and, and i got my in in four weeks i got my 5k down to 26 minutes and that's that was my my PB is, is 26 minutes for a 5K. That's a bit better. It's a bit better down to 26 minutes. Yeah, it was a bit better. But then I, but then I, because I then I wanted to go like sub 27 is what I wanted to. You know, I thought right, I target myself like sub 27. I got it 26. And again, like you, yeah, I was annoyed that I didn't get it. You know, one more second, it'd been 25:59. But never mind. It was exactly 26 minutes. Um, and then I stopped, and it's just like, and and then I've done like a, you know, I've done like you know, one every two weeks is like a run. But I really, really, really enjoy it. So, um, so yeah, this morning, uh, I, I started again this week on another, but on an eight-week plan this time. Um, um, and uh, I don't know, do you know if a fartlek session? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, t t 10 minute easy, 10 minute faster, 10 minute easy. So, I done, I done that this morning, um, and and do you know what? I'm really loving it. And I said to, I said to a couple of my colleagues, um, and I said I don't know why I stopped because it is so enjoyable. It's just it's you on your own. It's a, it's a, you know, it's you against your own mind, basically, isn't it? Yeah, I find it really cathartic, and it's just a, it's a good, good release. So um, yeah, keep that exercise, exercise, exercise going, and then um, yeah, I did the, did that run. Uh, the big one, and then following following summer, I slipped two discs in my back, so I've been I've had to stop stop for a while. Um, so I had a couple of injections in there to try and sort the discs out. So I'm, I'm I'm working my way back to fitness. Yeah, I'm cycling again now. I'm running again. Yeah, um, back on back lifting some weights and uh, and doing a lot of skipping. Oh, there we skipping. go. My new my new thing. Sure. Isn't that going to hurt your back? I know. I don't, 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 don't jump very high, so it's, it's it's all right. It just keeps my keeps everything in line. I'm just I stand there on the patio, skipping. So I think yeah, I'll, I'll come back with whip marks all over my leg. 
I did when I was learning. I was I mean, my wife's like, well, are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just downstairs skipping. <laughs> what what is it about sport then that keeps you keeps you motivated? Why why um, what's that release about? Because just to expand on that, because that's not just you going out for a a five k or a ten k to run 62, 63 miles is ridiculous. Like, do you do you constantly run that, or do you do you stop at any point? Or that, no, that I that long one. I ran continuously. I did 50k continuously. Um, so I got to the halfway point without stopping. And then I did a, um, a, I did 200 meters, 200 meters, what was it? 200 meters walking, 800 meters running. Um, so about 80k. And then we hit, then I, had to, I was on a shingle, shingle beach at that point for about 5k. So I just trudged through the shingle for that 5k. And then the final, final 15. Um, was back on a back on a run again. So it's, wow. uh, yeah, it, it, just don't like losing. I think compared to that, I set myself. I think I've got to want to do what I can do. Um, and your, your body's body's awesome. It can go. It can, anyone's body can go a lot further and a lot harder than than they believe it can. And if you can just switch off that nagging little little voice in there that says it's hurting can't go for any further you can you can keep going we've got enough fat stores to keep us going at a steady steady pace for for ages so i think it's just that ability just to keep pushing push that little bit harder when you're on on the bike can you go that a little bit faster your legs are hurting can you just go that a little bit a little bit more a little bit more, little bit more. and and that's that's what i've always always done, I get a bit obsessive over, over stuff, like skipping. I can't just sit and skip. I've got to be able to beat my, beat my numbers. So yeah, beat my numbers, learn different tricks and all, all the rest of it, just cause I. That's that destination mindset. It is. Yeah. Just what, what, what can be, what can be done? What can be done next? So I'm always on that lookout for those new different challenges and, and all the rest of it. But clearly the, the kids are, you know, eight and four. They've got to fit in around around those around those guys and my, my wife as well. Indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, very, very, very interesting. Um uh it's been uh, it's been it's been really, really good. So thank you ever so much for being on. Um and uh, it's been it's been great to get to know the person behind the job title. Thank you very Brilliant. much, Adrian. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of the PE podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure that you share this episode via your social media channels, as it really does help us to gain traction in promoting this podcast series. Please make sure that you also subscribe to the channel that you're listening via, as you'll then get notifications as soon as we release our next podcast episode. Thank you.